Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into Nuggets Numbers. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday night as we are following up a really interesting scrimmage. I thought this was a a very interesting game that the Nuggets just played against the Orlando Magic. Final score, I believe, was 114 to 110 Orlando. Though that doesn't really matter, it's a scrimmage. There were a lot of interesting tidbits to take away from this game. And I'm going to be using the first two segments on this podcast to talk about this game in full. Uh, I'll use the third segment to talk about the preseason takeaways as a whole or the scrimmage takeaways as a whole. What we really gleaned from all three of these games. Stuff that we can bring into the seeding games and into the playoffs. Because it wasn't looking good for the first two games, but we had so much information come through on that third game. I thought it was really interesting, and there was a lot of stuff that I want to talk about with you here. So, the first segment, I'm going to be talking about the starters. Second segment, I'll be talking about the bench. Uh, Both are interesting, uh, probably more so with the starters, but, I mean, hey, I'm saving Michael Porter Jr. for the second segment, so you have to stick in until then. But without further ado, let's talk about the starters in this Nuggets vs. Magic recap. First thing we should talk about is the starting unit. I posited on Twitter that the Nuggets would start Michael Porter Jr. They decided instead to start Jeremy Grant at the three. They started Murray, Barton, Grant, Millsap, and Jokic, uh, with Murray and Barton making their return. Following some injury issues, I know that there's still some lingering stuff there, uh, but both of those guys were back in the lineup. Uh, Millsap was back in the lineup after missing his daily COVID test for the previous game. Uh, don't ask me about that. I don't know. I I wish I knew more about that situation just because it seems like a very odd thing to happen in a bubble. But to each their own. Um, I think this lineup, this Murray, Barton, Grant, Millsap, Jokic, specifically the Grant and Millsap pairing, is going to be really important for this Nuggets team in a potential look ahead to a Clippers or Lakers series. The Nuggets are the three seed right now, so they wouldn't play either the Clippers or the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs, but they would definitely play one of those teams in the second round unless something weird happened. And both of those teams have really big front courts, or at least really big on the wings, with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for the for the Clippers, and LeBron James and Anthony Davis for the Lakers. And all four of those guys are super dangerous. All four were ranked in ESPN's top 10 for uh, the playoffs this year. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that that actually makes sense. But, I mean, all four of those guys are very, very talented, very, very good. 
And if the Nuggets struggle to stop a LeBron or a Kawhi, Jeremy Grant is going to be the first guy in there that's moved into the starting unit. He's had some success against those guys this season, in the past. He's the right profile. He's the right body type. That to me seems like the first chess move that Michael Malone would make would be to bench either Gary Harris or Will Barton and move Jeremy Grant into the lineup so he can play at the three. But that wasn't really the case today. Uh, Those Grant Millsap minutes today were not as impactful, and I think the reason for that is because they don't necessarily have a situation where when they're playing against a team like the Orlando Magic, there was nobody for them to take away. There was nobody for them to match up with, and as a result, uh, they weren't as impactful as a group. Uh, They each had individually solid moments. They shot the ball efficiently. They were each plus seven. It just never really felt like those guys were that great in their situations. Um, Evan Fournier and DJ Augustine were the lead guards for Orlando. Nikola Vucevic was the lead center. Uh, Those three guys were going to be the the main guys offensively. And as a result, the guys on, on the Orlando side... Gary Clark and James Ennis, they were off-ball guards, off-ball wings, that really their job was just to hit the open three, hit the open shot when it came to them. And it came to them a lot because Paul Millsap likes to help. He likes to play help defense and help his guys out. Jeremy Grant is trying to do the same thing. He's also learning a new position at the three, so that's a little bit of a wrinkle there. But that's one of the reasons why I think that particular lineup wasn't that great. Um, Despite it still being positive despite it still being good I just think that that was more about Murray being really good let's talk about Murray though because I think he was the story of the game uh he was sensational he was awesome just just one of the best performances I've seen from him and it's too bad this was a scrimmage because I I hope this wasn't just kind of a wasted performance um 23 points on 8 of 12 shooting 3 of 6 from 3 he had to take a couple of heaves there too. He took he took one kind of heat check and transition as well, um, but that doesn't even really do him justice either. He was in a rhythm, never really took a bad shot other than that, that heat check. Uh, he got to every spot he wanted to. His touch on his jumper smooth as silk tonight. Uh, he had four assists, four rebounds, two steals, only two turnovers. Uh, made great passes. I I thought he had one really advanced pass where he was in a side pick and roll, drove baseline, uh, had Paul Millsap's man help off of him, uh, and then saw Evan Fournier rotate down to cover Paul Millsap. So he then threw a cross-court pass on the money one-handed to Will Barton for three. And that just really goes to show the progression in Murray over the course of this season, over the course of last season, There were times last year where Murray wouldn't be able to make that pass. Now he's making it with a lot more comfort. He's doing it consistently. And that pass was on time, on the money. Uh, And Barton got a three out of it and really hit it. So I think that's going to be a really interesting development for Murray is how well his bigger body can help him get to the rim, drive, finish through contact. But also if he's getting to the rim a little bit more, and he's collapsing the defense, this could be the avenue for him to drive up that assist total a little bit. Because if he's finishing at the rim, he's going to draw a lot of uh, attention. 
and there are going to be open players when he does. So if he can find those guys, if he can continue to develop that stage of his game and kind of dictate everything, that's a really big star turn for him. So more on him in the third segment. That's one of my big takeaways here. I mentioned Will Barton, that one shot that he hit from Murray, uh, that nice Murray pass. That was his only points on the day. Uh, He only played the first half, but he did play 18 minutes. Wasn't really great. Uh, Three points on one of five shooting. Zero assists, one turnover. Just didn't really look very comfortable out there. These were his first minutes with the team, and he was playing with a different lineup than he's usually played with. Uh, That Murray, Barton, Grant, Millsap, Jokic lineup hasn't really seen a lot of time together, so I, I can understand why he was a little bit flustered. But then again, it's his first time since the pandemic, since that all really started. Um, he's been dealing with a knee issue, so hopefully it's not because he was bothered out there by the injury. Uh, but if he was bothered by the injury and he can get healthy over the course of the next couple of weeks, then that's a good thing for the Nuggets because they really need him. They need, especially in lineups that feature Millsap, Grant, and Jokic all at the same time, He needs to be even better than he usually is. Barton usually is kind of the jack of all trades for everything. He needs to be a queen or a king in this situation because the Nuggets need more ball handling. They need more creation. They need more shooting. They need even more perimeter defense out of him. They need him to just be an even better version of himself in those situations because the Nuggets are basically playing two power forwards and a center. So... With Murray and Jokic handling the ball almost at all times, Barton needs to be that pressure release. If he can do it, then great. I thought he was very good defensively. Uh, Evan Fournier's numbers, his counterpart on on the other team, he was pretty bad. So the Nuggets are going to really need a great version of Millsap, or excuse me, Will Barton in the bubble. So we're going to see whether he can put that together, whether this injury really bothers him. I hope it's not something that really lingers for him because that would be a really bad situation for Denver. Lastly, for the starters, Nikola Jokic, I I saved him for last. He just didn't shoot today. He was 0 for 1, um, not necessarily out of protest or anything, but clearly wasn't very interested in shooting. Uh, I thought he made some great passes. He was directing traffic. He was orchestrating everything. But it was clear that he really just had no interest in the actual shooting part of the game, and sometimes he gets like this, where it's just not on his mind, or he has some other agenda. And when I say agenda, that's not necessarily bad. Maybe he just wanted to get Jamal Murray and Will Barton going. Maybe he thought, hey, I I played several minutes in each of the first two games. I feel fine. Let me help get Jamal Murray and Will Barton into rhythm. And I whether that worked or not remains to be seen. That lineup was actually pretty good. But for the Nuggets today, it was fine. Uh, You got to see how Murray, Barton, Grant, Millsap handled things. Uh, Craig subbed in for Barton in the second half. So going forward, though, the Nuggets just are going to, like last year, like like how the Nuggets, every time this comes around, every time... Every time Nikola Jokic kind of goes off a cliff a little bit with, with his shot selection, with his shot attempts... They need him to get back on track. They need him to start being aggressive. They need him to dictate the tempo for everybody. 
And a lot of that is just being the physically dominant player that he can be, uh, using his touch, using his skills, and making sure that the defense has to guard him first, which is going to open up things for everybody later. He had six turnovers tonight, and one of the reasons for that is because I don't think the Magic really thought he was going to shoot the basketball. That has to not be the case. Everybody has to be a threat to shoot the basketball, especially your star player. If he's not going to do that, then it's going to be it's going to be tough because he just hasn't looked very comfortable in the post during these scrimmages. His jump shot, I thought, looked good when he took it in the first two games, but didn't take one today. Uh, the passes are going to need to be more crisp. They're going to need to be more precise. He's one of the best passers in the NBA, if not the best. So he's got to show that. He's got to prove that. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the bench in this segment. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., Torrey Craig, Mason Plumley, and Bull Bull. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back. Nuggets numbers, Ryan Blackburn here. Let's talk about Michael Porter Jr. This was his debut. This was his first time that he was playing minutes inside the Orlando bubble. And he looked great. He looked very comfortable in his debut, at least on the offensive end. 19 points on 8 of 13 shooting in just 20 minutes. He was only 1 of 5 from 3, but the reverse of that is that it means that he was 7 of 8 from 2. The only two-pointer that he missed, he rebounded and got a putback. Sometimes you forget just how insane of a prospect Michael Porter Jr. was. Um, I know Nuggets fans get kind of lost in the luster sometimes. They're just hoping to play him. But, like, he really was a generational prospect or maybe just, like, short of generational. (coughs) Excuse me. If LeBron James and Anthony Davis and... Guys of that nature, guys of that skill set, Zion Williamson, for example, if those guys are generational prospects, then coming out of high school, Michael Porter Jr. was like the next tier down. He very well could have been, and maybe still could be, a top 10 player in the NBA, somebody who potentially wins a scoring title someday. That's how talented he is. He kind of backed himself into 19 points tonight. It's just attacking the rim, attacking, attacking, rebounding, putbacks. He had four dunks. You forget that he was just can jump out of the gym at 6'10". Uh, and he looks to have acquired some more bounce on that end as well. He had several rebounds and dunks where he just kind of skied over everyone else and it was very noticeable given his height. It's hard not to notice a guy like that. And he also looks more fluid by the day. Somebody who's very coordinated very in touch with himself and and just has the ability to move his body in ways that 
no other 6'10 player could. Guys like Kevin Durant get get called out for their silky smoothness. Uh, Porter is really in that same light. He was looking a little bit robotic at the beginning of the season, but it's clearly he's, he's progressed a little bit beyond that. He's more comfortable. He's attacking. He's aggressive. Now the defense, that was aggressively bad. There were some good moments, don't get me wrong, he had a chase down block, that was cool. But mostly he was kind of out of position, slow to react. Uh, He will get better on that end with time and experience. So many of those problems, they're about the game being slightly too fast. They're about the game just, just moving a little bit too quick for him, him seeing something, him being able to realize something, but not really realizing it in time. And he reacted like that a lot. Uh, there were a couple of instances where he made a mistake, knew that he made a mistake, and was was visibly frustrated with himself. I think he's putting a lot of pressure on himself to be as good as he can be, and that's good. He was, I mean, even with pressure on himself, he was eight of thirteen from the field today, nineteen point seven rebounds. So, like, if that's the Michael Porter Jr. that's frustrated with himself, then I want to see the version of Michael Porter. That kind of lets go a little bit. He's comfortable with where he's at. He sees the game. He can really feel it out. That may not happen for another two, three, four. Maybe it never does happen. Maybe maybe it's five years from now. Maybe it's only next year. But it's possible. He could get to that point. And if he did get to that point, then look out. My God. With the way that Murray played today, with the way that we know that Jokic can play, If Porter plays the way that we know he can, my gosh, like, this team is so talented. We haven't even gotten to Bull Bull yet. I will get to him at the end of this segment. But more on segment three, I think you have to play Michael Porter Jr. going forward. It's just too obvious to me. Torrey Craig, I thought he was notable for a couple of reasons. The shot really went in for him today, and I thought he, many of those threes that he took were very important threes within the movement of the offense where the main primary playmakers, they do their thing, the ball gets rotated, it finds its way to Tory Craig towards the end of the possession. He's open, needs to shoot it, and he hit those shots today. That was really important, and that's the version of Torrey Craig the Nuggets really need that they had in the playoffs last year that really saved their bacon. If he hadn't been there in the playoffs, they probably wouldn't get through the Spurs. But he was there, and he was in a timely place, right place, right time for the Nuggets. Had solid defense, but more importantly, he was a guy for Denver who was confident and could hit those shots, and really made the defense pay for not guarding him. If that's the situation going into the playoffs this year, where he has to come in because of his defense, he also has to be guarded. If he hits those shots, he will be guarded, because opposing teams won't be able to leave him. Now, they might choose to leave him over a guy like Will Barton, for example. But, if Craig can hit those shots, it really opens things up for Denver in ways that they haven't really been open for a while. Craig has hit some shots. He did hit shots lately in the season this year. Kind of turned things around a little bit. 
but defenses still weren't respecting him very well. If he can hit those shots, he becomes a different level of player. He had some good defensive possessions. I actually thought he was okay, not great uh, on defense tonight. There are moments where he's great, where he's legitimately awesome. Um, When he's defending kind of some off-ball wings, uh, guys who aren't really ball handlers, he's not as effective. When he's able to hound a guard or a wing that really handles the ball a lot, he is a lot more effective that way. So we'll see if he can be put into that position going forward. Um, I liked what I saw from him today, though. I thought it was pretty good. Mason Plumley also had some really good defensive minutes, especially in that fourth quarter. He was really racking up the numbers, had four steals, two blocks, a very solid all-around play from him. He was a major minus at one point, but in that fourth quarter, kind of at the end of the third, he was really making some plays. He also had six assists, all of this in 23 minutes, had 11 points on four or five from the field. It was just another good game for Mason. It was a consistent game. It's one of the reasons why when people start talking about Bull Bull, and I'm going to start talking about him after this, but Mason's been really steady. Like He he isn't going to be the highest level guy as a backup center, but really nobody is. And there are very few backup centers that can actually make that level of impact that people think that... um, Mason needs to make on a consistent basis. He's not going to be Montrez Harrell. He's not going to be Serge Ibaka. But if he's Mason Plumley, then he's pretty good. He's kind of just a tier below those guys. Maybe two tiers, but that level of player is still a quality rotation player and somebody who deserves to be on the floor every single night. I rag on Mason a lot for various things, but this time around, He's looked great the past couple of games. It's just another consistent game. He's been solid uh, in tough situations. He's had to act as the point guard on occasion, and he only had one turnover tonight. That's really, really good. That's really good progress for somebody like him who he's put into a tough position and he adapted to it. So give some credit to Mason Plumley. Put some respect on his name. The Nuggets are going to need him in the playoffs. With that being said, let's talk about Bull Bull. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sorry, Mason. Uh, Bull Bull's just so interesting. He's such a fascinating character. We talked about him on the last couple of episodes uh, on the Denver Stiff show. That was his really big debut, and he was he was awesome that game. Um, he was kind of a bystander in this game until the fourth quarter, but when, when the fourth quarter hit, he was a part of a lot of interesting stuff. Part of the deal with young players when they get surrounded by other rotation players is that they they really fade to the background a little bit, especially early in their careers. This was Porter's problem. The Nuggets didn't really know how to incorporate him, and Porter didn't really know how to incorporate himself at the beginning of the year. The same thing is true with Bull Bull. He's still trying to figure it out. He's trying to figure out what his role could be. I have no idea what his role is going to be, whether he will have a role. Probably not this year. Maybe not even next year, just depending on stuff. But when the fourth came around, he was awesome. He hit several jumpers. He was very impressive in that size. Um, A pull-up, too, off the dribble when he was kind of 
attacking a closeout a little bit. He got to the got to the free throw line, rose up and hit the shot. Nobody could block that shot, not in a million years. It was very impressive. Good mechanics, too. Um, and then the two three-pointers. He had one off of a stagger screen, and he had one off of a DHO. And it was very interesting to see him move that way on the perimeter. Both were on the right side of the floor. He was going to his left, uh, came off the stagger screen, was a little bit mechanical, a little bit kind of uh, not necessarily fluid in that situation, but probably as fluid as a seven foot two guy can be. As he gets more comfortable with that particular play in that particular way, um, he'll be pretty good. But the DHO was really interesting. I could see him and Porter running DHOs for each other on a second unit next year. And that's terrifying because both of those guys can pull up from three and they're both 6'10 or higher. I mean, both 7'2. If they can both handle the ball, they can both run DHOs with each other. My God, like who does that? Who can do that in the NBA? There's nobody. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Some of the stuff that Denver could be running for him is going to be so imaginative. Uh, Denver's going to have to rewrite the playbook next year, not just for him, but for Porter as well. So much of their stuff is geared for Will Barton and Gary Harris and guys of that size. With Porter and Bull, man, I mean, there's just so much more that they can do, honestly. Him and Porter also nearly connected on a little pick-and-roll lob over the top. Um, in a field of smaller players, Bull Bull jumping and, and grabbing the ball as a 7'2 guy with a 7'8 wingspan. It's kind of nuts. He blocked another jump shot. That's also nuts. It's just something that you don't really see. Um, okay, take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the overarching theme of these scrimmages, what we learned from them. I have seven things that I think we learned. We'll be right back. back nuggets numbers ryan blackburn here final segment uh, i had seven things that i came up with for what we have learned from these scrimmages um there are various things some of them more important than others but let's start with the first one which i think is really really important number one michael porter jr needs to play no questions asked uh, this isn't really a controversial thing when you talk to nuggets fans uh, Michael Malone has had a different point of view on this, and I don't really blame him necessarily. Uh, Porter was really balling out in January. He then rolled his ankle. When he came back, he wasn't playing hard on it. He was doing what he could, but he wasn't playing great, and the, the ankle was clearly bothering him. Now it's not bothering him, and when you see the way that he moves out there, the way and how athletic he is and explosive... It's just undeniable at this point. He draws so much attention whenever he's out there. And that will help every player on the Nuggets, no matter what. Because when he is the focus of the other team's defense, that moves everybody down a spot in the pecking order for the opposing team. 
if Murray and Jokic are out there, and Porter is also out there, Porter's the third option, especially in the defense's eyes. He will be the third line on the scouting report in those situations if he's playing consistently. I think that's really important because Barton right now is the third option. If Barton were the fourth option and Millsap, for example, were the fifth option, changes a lot. Those guys, if, if they can pick and choose their spots even more than they already do, that's a big deal. Those guys, like, they have they have to carry the op- the offense when Jokic and Murray aren't on their two-man game. Or if that breaks down, if the ball finds Barton's hands, he has to create something out of nothing. Him being able to kind of pick and choose his spots a little bit more, Paul Millsap as well, those guys are going to benefit a lot from that. Porter creates points from nowhere with his jump shot, but also his offensive rebounding. That's something that the Nuggets don't really have in their starting lineup. Um, It's something that they, like, Mason Plumlee's pretty good as a bench offensive rebounder, but Jeremy Grant's not an offensive rebounder in any way, shape, or form. Torrey Craig crashes the glass, but he kind of, he hurts the spacing in other ways. Um, And then Morris isn't going to rebound anything, so... If Porter's out there, he provides another dimension and he could buy some free possessions and some free points for this Nuggets team. That's something that they could really use. Um, Not to mention the best thing for his development is to play. If the Nuggets want to be champions, they have to know that the, the path towards a championship goes from maxing out their potential as much as possible. Porter is part of that potential. He can be so much more than he is right now, but it comes with him having an opportunity to prove himself and having an opportunity to work out the mistakes. Because if he does that, and then what's left is a pretty good, it's a good basketball player. Somebody who's very, very good and could potentially be good on defense as well if he could see the game a little bit. Um, I think he could be a 15-point-per-game scorer in the playoffs, in a playoff series, and really win the Nuggets a playoff series, no matter what, no matter who's it against. Even if it's against the Clippers or the Lakers, like those teams, they have people that could challenge him. But the more time that Paul George or Kawhi Leonard were to spend on Michael Porter Jr. and not guarding Jamal Murray, that's important. That's that's a win for Denver in that case. So, all right, number two out of seven. Bull Bull has an NBA future, and that future is very bright. It wasn't very clear just a little bit ago, uh, given that he wasn't playing, given that he only played eight G League games, hadn't played anything since December. We hadn't really heard anything about him off record, except for I, I did hear one thing, that he would be very, very good after the deadline. Um, he never really got that opportunity, But because of the hiatus, he had a lot of time, and then when the Nuggets didn't have any bodies, he had a lot of time to get into the gym, got some practice time with the Nuggets, and lo and behold, he's a very talented player with a tangible NBA skill combo that few can match. He's got that shooting touch, that shot blocking, got some ball handling attached to him. His skinniness, it definitely affects him, but not as much as I thought it would be. I still don't know what his NBA position is, but if he's a center, he's going to have to bulk up. If he's a power forward, 
probably still has to bulk up just a little bit, but maybe not as much. He's already 7'2". He's already has a 7'8 wingspan. He already can jump really high, and he does a lot of good things at the power forward position that maybe he just needs a little bit more strength. If he had that, that's a big deal. That could really change things for Denver. Um, but we won't see that in all likelihood in this playoffs, and that's okay. The Nuggets already have one blue-chip star prospect and Porter that they're trying to play. They don't need a second right now. That might give Michael Malone an aneurysm, if it hasn't already. Number three, Jeremy Grant at the three lineups can work, but only if the situation calls for it. I mentioned this in the first segment. Against the Clippers of the Lakers, when you have to defend LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George, guys like that, Grant will definitely be Denver's best option in those situations. In addition, it also helps that he doesn't have to play offense a lot. He His offense is going to be created for him in most cases. So he can really focus on locking in on the defensive end. And I think he could do that. If given a playoff series, if given a task, he has the combination of size, athleticism, and instincts that could really go into bothering a couple of those guys. Now, I don't know about LeBron. LeBron's kind of just LeBron. But... You never know, and maybe he surprises everybody. Um, against the Magic, he wasn't perfect. There was nobody for him to guard, but if Aaron Gordon would have been healthy, I think he would have been on him. That's a really good matchup for Grant. It's he, Gordon's kind of a facsimile of what of what Kawhi Leonard is or LeBron James and that he, he's kind of that wing-forward creator type who wants to be a Kevin Durant or, a, or LeBron James or a Kawhi. He isn't that. He's clearly not as talented, but he does have some of those skills. So, would have liked to see that. We may see that on, frankly, Saturday. The Nuggets are going to play the Miami Heat. It wouldn't surprise me if if uh, Jeremy Grant was defending Jimmy Butler at times. I mean, would it surprise anybody at this point? If Gary Harris isn't healthy, then I would have Jeremy Grant on him, no doubt. Number four, the Nuggets badly miss having a bench point guard. They really need Monte Morris. Morris should be ready to go. He probably would have been ready to go today. Um, he he had just gotten into the bubble, though, just gotten cleared. Uh, hadn't really gone through a practice before, so he's he's his first game action is going to be against Miami on Saturday. Uh, one of the important things about having Monte Morris is that he's going to limit turnovers for everybody. Because on top of having a low turnover rate for himself, he really directs the offense and does a good job of getting it to the place that it needs to be, where the players there don't turn the ball over as much. They're more decisive. The The actions speak for themselves. Torrey Craig today tried to throw a lob to Mason Plumley that was way off the mark. Um, it was the same play that Monte Morris and Mason usually run. If Monte's out there, then that lob probably doesn't get thrown because it's kind of a contested look. Monte instead brings it out, resets the offense, and gets them into another solid shot opportunity. That's important. Um, I think at least five of the turnovers that Denver had tonight would have gone away if Morris was out there. Those were like plays like I talked about, the Craig lob to Plumley. 
Troy Daniels was pretty bad when he when he got in as the ball handler. Uh, Plumley had one where he was trying to do too much because he was handling it. Uh, things like that where you get into a good situation and a good offense because you've got a guy to direct you. That's something that people don't necessarily appreciate all that much, but it is very important. Uh, no word on P.J. Dozier yet either. That's kind of concerning. Nothing even behind the scenes either with that. Uh, he can be another ball handler for Denver, but also bigger and more of a slasher type than what Monte Morris is. He's a unique player that probably needs to be in the bubble for the Nuggets to have their best chance to win. Because I, I really hope that they don't get caught into a situation where Monte struggles and they don't really have another option. Uh, number five, turnovers are still going to be a problem in the seeding games, and that's okay. I think this is one of the low-key big points from these seeding games, or from these scrimmages, that Denver's going to turn the ball over. They have young guys. They have a lot of talent, the way that they move the ball on offense. Porter today, he tried to throw a pass to a cutting Craig, but it got deflected on the way there, and it resulted in an open dunk on the other end. Is that Porter's fault? Yes, but it's because he's trying to make the unselfish play. He could have taken a jumper. Instead, he tried to hit the cutter, trying to make the right basketball play for the best possible shot. It just happened to get tipped, and the Nuggets lost some point value for a result. Unfortunately, that's kind of the nature of Denver's offense. That's the nature of the way that they want to play. In the last season's playoffs, the Nuggets cut down on that style. They just ran Murray Jokic two man game for most of the for most of the time. It worked and that got them through the first round, but they couldn't score in the second round because when Murray finally went cold, the Nuggets didn't really have a response. They need to stay more versatile. Murray needs to stay and and be a little bit more off ball than that. It can't always be in his hands. It can't always be in Jokic's hands. The ball has to be shared. That's how good offenses stay great. And sometimes that means giving up some turnovers. The Nuggets really cut down on their turnover rate in the playoffs last year. But they also had less valuable shots due to a simplification of the offense. Portland knew what they were going to run and the game plan for it, and they couldn't generate any turnovers, but they didn't give up any high-value shots. Murray and Jokic worked the two-man game. They worked the mid-range. Wasn't a lot of threes taken. Wasn't a lot of shots at the rim other than offensive rebounds. There's a lot of mid-range stuff with them, and they were good. And it was kind of amazing that they were able to be as good as they were. Um, but that's a good situation to learn from. The Nuggets need to keep using their complex offense. It can't be a simplification of things. And Malone has to live with that. He has to be able to strike a balance here. He has to know that some turnovers are going to happen. Denver's transition defense has actually been really great all season statistically. So if those transition opportunities happen for the opposing team, Malone has to know that the Nuggets actually do a pretty good job of limiting those. And it's not just because they don't turn the ball over. Even when they turn the ball over, opposing teams aren't getting a ton of value off of it. They've done a great job of getting back, of, of forcing the opposition to get into a good spot. This is something where my personal stylistic differences are, are different from Malone, and it's very clear. Um, 
Sometimes you just got to let go. Sometimes you just got to let your players be your players. Uh, be the players that they want to be. Be the players that they are are built as. Murray and Jokic are freestylers a little bit. Jokic especially. Like, he wants to be an artist. He's a guy who, like, he gets into a situation, but if you limit him, he's going to be worse for it. Imagine if they didn't let Jokic try some of the things that he tries. He would be so much more limited as an offensive player. Murray has learned a lot in his time as a ball handler, and he's finally ironing out some of the kinks, and because of it, he looked great tonight. Four assists, two turnovers, good shot for him. If he's 2-1 to on his assist-to-turnover ratio most nights, I'll live with it. That's fine. Jokic can't have six turnovers. I will give you that. But that's for another night. Number six, let's talk about Jokic just a little bit more. He is moving very well. I will say that, but it's clear that he is not fully engaged with what the Nuggets are doing right now. It's hard to be engaged for a scrimmage. I do get it. I do understand that. I've been through that situation before. Uh, Zero shots tonight, though. That's probably not going to get it done. Uh, Five assists compared to those six turnovers I keep mentioning. This isn't something to be concerned about with him, but Jokic does have to be better. If he's not, the Nuggets aren't going to win a damn thing. I trust Jokic to be his best, but until Denver plays Porter more significant minutes, the only player to take shots away from Jokic is Murray. Millsap had several post-ups today. If those go to Jokic, that's fine. Like that, That's kind of a playoff game adjustment that Jokic just has to be able to get 15 to 18 shots a night on average. If he can't get to that point, then that's probably something wrong with what Denver's doing. Um, it won't just be because the opposing team is doubling him all the time. They need to find him to get they need to find ways to get him the ball no matter what. And number seven, final segment or final bit here. Jamal Murray. This is his time. This is his his proving ground, I think. It was just one scrimmage. Murray just looks and feels like a different player on the court to me. He's moving very well. Shooting in rhythm. He never attempted a bad shot. He was dynamic every single time he shot the ball. Every every time he touched the ball. Because the Orlando Magic really started taking notice of the fact that he was hitting everything. And so he made some significant passes to be able to get other players on the Nuggets open. He made some passes to Jokic that Jokic then passed up. Could have taken shots, but he decided not to. Murray created a lot of space for himself, and when he did get that space, he did shoot it. He knocked some shots down. I don't think he rushed anything at all tonight. The pull-up threes, the cross-court passes, the drives to the rim. He even played pretty good defense. I thought it was all on display. So much of the concern with Denver as a contender revolves around Jamal, at least in the national narrative. If he can prove to be a championship-level second option, then he will put the Nuggets over the top. Because I think that Jokic is a championship-level first option, at least as a playmaker, maybe not as a scorer quite yet, but we're going to see. We're going to see how he handles that. Um, I have faith in Murray going forward. I think the size and the strength to his frame, he looks like a star player out there. 
he feels like a star player out there. You can just kind of sense it with him. I'm, I'm getting that feeling. I don't want to make any too significant calls here, but I think he's going to be a breakout player. I think his, his shot profile is going to look a lot better. He took a lot more threes tonight. Just felt like he was doing the right thing every single time. And if 50% of his shots are going to be threes going forward, my God, that's a that's a great proposition for the Nuggets. Really looking forward to seeing what he can do when he gets out there in full force. Um, the Miami Heat are in trouble if he plays the way that he played tonight. They have nobody to stop him. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Nuggets Numbers. Uh, 45 minutes or so today. Really appreciate you taking the time to stick with me. Uh, going to continue to have more content up on the site, up at denverstiffs.com. Uh, we're going to have more podcasts, of course. We'll probably be doing a recap podcast on Saturday night after the Miami Heat game. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Should be interesting to react to. Let us know what questions you have. Might be getting a special guest on the Denver Stiff Show. Should be pretty good. Um, that's about it for me. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time, and I'll talk to you guys on Thursday for the Denver Stiff Show. Mm-hmm.